from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate in the law, law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the papal traditions in modern times is something called the Wednesday General Audience. Maybe some of you have heard of that. Anybody been to a papal audience in St. Peter's Square on a Wednesday 
afternoon or maybe maybe in the morning, Wednesday on Wednesdays in general. Um, it began first began in 1939 with Pope Pius XII, and it's continued in some form with each of the popes since then. On the one hand, it's an opportunity for those who are visiting Rome to see the Pope, you know, to be in his presence. To uh, thousands of pilgrims can fill St. Peter's Square, and they get to wave to him and cheer for him as he either drives through the square or enters into the stage area. Um, then they listen to his address and receive his blessing. On the other hand, it's an opportunity for the Pope himself um, to offer catechesis, that is, to offer teaching uh, on various topics, not only to those in attendance, but to the whole world. You can find on the Vatican website all the papal audience, um, the, the texts of all the papal audience if you want to read through various topics that the popes over the years have, have talked about on those Wednesdays. Um, this past Wednesday at his weekly audience, which is held indoors during the colder months in the audience hall, uh, Pope Francis introduced a new cycle of catechesis on the theme of vices and virtues. And so it's good timing, I think, for us at Mary Queen of Peace because we've, been, we've also been learning about and focusing on, on the virtues. Um, specifically, during this fall and, and throughout these 10 months from uh, September to June, focusing on the 10 virtues of Mary as identified by St. Louis de Montfort in his 18th century spiritual treatise, True, Devo True Devotion to Mary. So one, one per month, one virtue per month we've been um, looking at. And uh, the first three weeks of Advent, we reviewed the ones from the fall. As I mentioned, I often preach about them on Fridays, but I realized, you know, I haven't really preached about them on Sundays, uh, the virtues of the month. So we reviewed September, October, and November. Does anybody remember what those three virtues were? Hero what was that? Heroic patience, excellent. Angelic kindness, very good. And September's was? Heavenly wisdom, very good. So, heavenly wisdom, angelic kindness, and heroic patience. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what Pope Francis has in store for these, these uh, weekly, these, these, each of these Wednesdays, uh, to see, see which virtues he's focused on, um, presenting for us to contemplate. And for one, I think learning about virtues, it, it takes work and practice, but it can also be fun. I mean, it's, it's kind of fun to think, okay, what's the next one? You know, what's the other one? It's kind of like, kind of like collecting baseball cards, right? Like, I want to look for, I want to get all of them. I want to get the full set, right? So there's a f something fun about learning about the virtues and practicing them. And they're also interconnected. You know, all the virtues are interconnected. They're all from the same source from God. Uh, and so learning about one virtue helps with all of them. It all, because they all build upon each other. So Pope Francis began the series this past Wednesday, not with a virtue, but with a foundational principle for the life of virtue, safeguarding the heart, safeguarding the heart. And he began, began by reflecting on the place where the opposite of virtue, which we call vice, was first introduced into the human family, the Garden of Eden, as we read about in the book of Genesis, the serpent's entry into that earthly paradise symbolizes what the opposite of virtue looks like, what the temptation to vice looks like. He said, the snake is an insidious animal. It moves slowly, slithering along the ground, and sometimes you do not even notice its presence. It is silent. 
because it manages to camouflage itself well in its environment. And above all, this is dangerous. When it begins to converse with Adam and Eve, it shows that it is also a refined de- debater. He used the word, well, at least translated into English, dialectician. Right? That's a pretty interesting word. Uh, that the snake is a, the serpent is a refined dialectician, one who's skilled at debating or persuading. It begins as one does with wicked gossip, with a malicious question. He says, Did God say, you shall not eat any of any tree of the garden? The phrase is false. It's a lie. In reality, God offered man and woman all the fruits of the garden, apart from those of one specific tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we see in this entry of the serpent into uh, the garden and this this posing of this gossip, this, this wicked, malicious question, we see the serpent tempting Adam and Eve in two ways. One, by, by distorting and exaggerating God's words. It's tempting Adam and Eve to distrust God. To be confused about what God said and why he said it. Purposely sowing doubt and intrigue into their relationship with God. And that's exactly what gossip tries to do. And second, by making them think that they are lacking something or being denied something, that they, they are now being tempted to pride, tempted to grasp, right? Um, and this is the beginning of all evil, tempting them to presume the possibility of being all-powerful and being masters of good and evil. This is the most dangerous pitfall, Pope Francis said, for the human heart. And he continued... With these accounts, the Bible explains to us that evil does not begin in a clamorous way, when an act is already visible. But evil begins much earlier, when one begins to fantasize about it, to nurse it in the imagination and thoughts, and ends up being ensnared by its enticements. And so the Holy Father warned us, one must never dialogue with the devil. Never. You should never argue with him. Jesus never dialogued with the devil. He cast him out. He responded with words of scripture, with the word of God. Be careful. The devil is a seducer. Never dialogue with him because he is smarter than all of us and he will make us pay for it. And then the Holy Father brings up the heart. When temptation comes, never dialogue. Close the door, close the window, close your heart. With the devil, you do not dialogue. Do you understand this? Be careful. We must not converse with the devil. We must not entertain ourselves with temptation. There is no dialogue. Temptation comes. We close the door. We guard the heart. This uh, image of the heart that offered to us by Pope Francis, it points us to, especially for today's gospel, the heart of Mary the heart of a mother, which is the center of every family. Today's gospel is the presentation of the infant Jesus in the temple, and it's located in the middle of Luke chapter 2, and it is bracketed by two other important events in early life of Jesus, the visit of the shepherds and the finding of Jesus in the temple. At the beginning of chapter 2, after the birth of Jesus, the shepherds came to find Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in a manger. 
And all were amazed at what the infants were saying about what they had seen and heard on that holy night. But Mary, it says, Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them, tossing them about in her heart. And then years later, when Jesus was 12 years old, Mary and Joseph lost him for three days in the temple. After they found him, they did not understand what he said to them, that he must be in his father's house. But in conclusion, we hear once again that Mary kept all these mysteries about her son that were being revealed to the world. She kept all these mysteries in her heart. And in between these two events, we have today's gospel, the presentation in the temple. In their encounter with the holy man, Simeon's prophecy about Mary's heart, we hear, you yourself a sword will pierce. If you've seen an image that we have, our, our devotional images of Mary's heart, her immaculate heart, we see a sword piercing that heart in reference to today's gospel. You yourself a sword will pierce, referring to her role as the mother of Jesus. That because of her love for Jesus, she will not be untouched. She will also experience suffering by how the hearts of humans will react to and reject Jesus' offer of healing, love, and freedom from vices and evil. Which brings us to our virtue of the month for December. Ardent love. Ardent love. Mary's immaculate heart, which feels the, the effects of suffering that vices and evil brings to humanity, is the place that she stores up the love of God. The place in which she guards and protects and contemplates the mysteries of God's love, which were shown to us, shown to the world, through her son's sacrifice for us. It is the place within her that allows her to show the world the virtue of ardent love. Ardent love is so vital because it directs every other virtue to perfection. Without ardent love, no other virtues have value, meaning, or purpose. The Catechism of the Catholic Church defines ardent love, or we can also call it charity, as the virtue by which we love God above all things and our neighbor as ourselves out of love for God. Mary's love for God and for us, it reverses... It undoes what happened in the garden at the fall of Adam and Eve. Through her choosing ardent love, she helps humanity's relationship to God to be restored and healed. She knew that she could not do that. She was merely a human. She knew she could not restore that herself. She knew only God can do it. So with ardent love, she trusted. She surrendered her will and said yes to God's plan. Her love, we can say, is ardent because that word ardent means enthusiastic, passionate, burning, and glowing. Her love is ardent in all these ways because she will do anything to help all people, to help each one of us as her beloved children. She will do anything to help all people know the love of her son, Jesus. She wants every soul to love and trust Jesus like she does. In order to have ardent love like Mary, we must 
follow her example, trust in her intercession, and also learn from Pope Francis's teaching this week. We must guard the heart. Reserve the heart for reflecting on the mysteries of God's love and mercy, especially that which we've seen during this Christmas mysteries this past week. Open our hearts to God first and foremost, and trust our hearts to the Holy Family, to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and to learn how to only allow true love in. To not allow gossip and doubts and intrigue and evil and vices to enter into the heart and disrupt and poison our relationship with God and with neighbor. We only have one heart. It's precious. We only have one heart. There is no room in it for division or for little compartments or pockets of evil and vice. Those pockets must be, with Jesus' help, with Mary's help, must be driven out. As Pope Francis concluded in his teaching this week, that is why we do not converse with the devil. This is a recommendation, and he said this three times. Guard the heart, guard the heart, guard the heart. We must ask for the grace of learning to guard the heart. It is a form of wisdom, how to guard the heart. May the Lord help us in this work, because he who guards the heart guards a treasure.